Hi, guys, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Elevate Your Brand. I, of course, am your host, Laurel Mintz, and I'm really excited to be joined by my guest, Danielle Zig, CEO and co-founder of Coconut Cartel. Danielle, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Laurel, for having me. I'm, uh, I'm super excited to share my story, and I appreciate your platform to do that. It's such a cool story, and there are... You know, you're in the, the booze business, and there are not a lot of women founders within this industry. So I love the fact that you are this powerhouse female um, presence in, in the alcohol space. Um, and I would love for you to just start with sharing your story and your narrative about the brand with our audience. Okay. So there's a lot to tell there, but I'll try to keep it, <laughs> yeah. I'll try to keep it concise. But uh, going on the female part of it, which I think is really important. Um, I come from a family of like a very matriarchal family. My grandmother runs the show here. So it's my grandmother, my mother, and then it's me. So I grew up in a environment where the girls were running the show. So to me, it's very natural to, to walk in and do the boss lady thing. So um, <laughs> I've taken that into, into, into many uh, boardrooms and, you know, all men, just me. There's been instances where it's all men in suits and me in a jean jacket and we make it happen. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, me in a tie dye jean jacket. So nonetheless, of so course. We, we, if you're going to do it, you got to do it bold all the way. Right. Oh yeah. Go, yeah. Go in hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, about the brand, you know, it's, I actually started it with my, with my brother. So it's, uh, it's family owned. We, we started this brand, not, not in the, in the spirit space. So coconut cartel today is, primarily a spirits brand, like a craft rum brand, meaning we're small. We don't, we don't have distribution everywhere. We're really uh, premium, like super precise about where we're selling and who we sell to. But we didn't start out that way. We started out selling actually coconuts. Um, mm -hmm. We, my brother and I were from Miami. We were born here, but when we were young, we moved, I was about nine years old. We moved to Central America and that's where I grew up. That's where I did all my schooling between El Salvador and Guatemala. So we both grew up in like a very agricultural environment. Like I grew up, you know, driving to the beach on the weekends and there were sugarcane fields and coffee plantations in the mountains. Um, chocolate, cacao is a big thing. So we had all of these flavors and agriculture going on that that's always been a very important part of our of our of our ethos. And it's a very important part of like our flavor profiles. And it's all just very natural. Um, so we started importing when coconut water got really popular here in the States, we started importing coconuts from El Salvador, just like natural little coconuts off the tree. We'd peel them, shave them down, um, to the point that you could just pretty much pop open a coconut with a car key, stick a straw in it and drink it. So it was like a little natural juice box. <laughs> That's a fun um, party trick. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was easy. And this, this is, yeah, it was easy. It was easy walking into, a you know, let's say like Royal Caribbean corporate, right? Is at this point in time, I'm 21, 22 years old, uh, wearing a t-shirt and a backpack with some coconuts in it. And I'm walking into the CEO of, you know, Royal Caribbean's office going to sell him coconuts. And he's like, who's, what's going on here? Like, so am I being punked? Like, what's, what's, <laughs> who let her in? Who let her in? What's happening here? And they're like, no, 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 just try it, try it. Like try a coconut. And they're like, honestly, I just, I can't be mad at it. This is awesome. Right. When can I have them? <laughs> you just can't be mad at it. So, um, that's how we built our brand. We built it on a, on a coconut, coconut, uh, smuggling ring. Uh, we were bringing in, you know, we started off with quite literally suitcases filled with coconuts and we'd bring them through Miami international airport and 
we became very friendly with all the TSA officers there who knew what we were doing at first. They were like, what the heck is going on here? But <clears throat> eventually they, they got the picture and they were cool with it. It was funny, but, um, and then we elevate, you know, we, we elevated, right. We, we, we moved on into container loads of this stuff. So we're moving coconuts all over the place and growing the, the, the brand coconut cartel, um, had a lot of celebrities in Miami who would come stay at Soho house or at the addition hotel, who would drink our coconuts and post a picture of themselves on Instagram, a selfie, or the paparazzi would snap snap a picture of them drinking it. So like every day we'd wake up to Daily Mail with like somebody drinking a coconut. And just really organically, that's how we built the brand um, and gave us the platform to then mature a little bit and create a product that was still true to our roots, Guatemalan you know, coconut, like something natural from, or, or naturally grown there, sugarcane, obviously. So rum is our biggest and probably our, the thing we're most proud of in Guatemala in terms mm-hmm. of our export is rum. So we decided. Right, but it gets a bad rap and you guys decided to take it in a completely different direction and create a super elevated version. Yeah. That was the thing, right? We grew up drinking the best rums in the world. Like we grew up, we grew up like like what a wine is to someone who's French, like a French wine that they're so proud of it, or an Italian, that is what rum is to a Guatemalan. Mostly mm-hmm. Central American, you know, Nicaragua too, you can get that. But here in the United States, rum gets a bad rap. It's what I was, you know, you were drinking in college, you were chugging candles <laughs> of, and I have a, everyone has their, the worst hangover story they have is always linked to rum. So it's a high sugar alcohol, so it has a tendency to do that when it's not distilled the right way. Yeah, well, so what happens is that a lot of brands they pump sugar back into the blend. Right. So like you make, you make, right. you distill anything. You can distill, a, I don't know, any pretty much anything that has sugar, right? It'll ferment, and then it turns into alcohol. Anything turns into alcohol. Tequila, you know, comes from agave. Uh, vodka can come from potatoes or a grain or something. You know, it turns into alcohol. It's all the same. It's what happens afterwards, and a lot of times, mm-hmm. most of the times, rums pump sugar back into it. So that's a misconception. People are like, it's liquid sugar, right? Like it's, 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 I don't, I only drink tequila because it doesn't have any sugar. It's just like, well, if you have a rum where they didn't pump sugar back into it, it actually doesn't have sugar. So same, same. <laughs> but before you started building the rum brand, I want to go back to coconuts for a quick second. The reason that you guys took off was because you saw the opportunity with the hotels in branding the coconuts um, for them, right? So it became more of a marketing experience for them than anything else. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, it started off as just us, you know, putting coconut cartel on the coconuts. Um, and that helped us build our brand because we were the only kids and, you know, the cats in town doing that. Um, and then eventually we started collaborating. Like once we knew an account was moving a certain amount of volume, we could say, Hey, uh, you know, edition hotel, like we can put your logo on it. We'll do buy coconut cartel. And so then we had these sort of partnerships going and it was positioning Coconut Cartel as this like super premium, really cool thing that these that these hotels wanted to carry. Because it was so new and different. And and the, the coconut water itself, like I'm obsessed. And when you and I um, had our pre-call, I was telling you, like I drink, I'm literally sitting here with the Harmless Harvest next to me right now because coconut water is such a beautiful, clean, refreshing, invigorating experience. And I think back in the day, and this was the opportunity that you saw was that it wasn't, there, there was no uh, saturation in the market. People didn't really know about it. 
Yeah, that's right. It was it was really I mean, Vito Coco and Zico started I think in 0809 and we started in 2012. So they had like a 4-year runway before us, but in Bev- I mean, that's nothing. Like they really hadn't penetrated the market. They were probably they were just getting started for real. Like really people were getting their feet wet with it. Harmless Harvest was also kicking butt at this time. I think that year they won like best best in class or best beverage with BevNet, which is like a big industry uh, publication. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. coconut water was the hottest thing then. In our eyes, um, we had the opportunity to bring in truly the the raw, the real raw coconut water because we never processed Mm -hmm. it. It came in a coconut. So that was our shtick. We were the only people really doing that. Um, but it came with its, it came with its complications like perishability and, and whatnot. Of course, <laughs> it was hard to, of hard to scale a coconut versus a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and so at what point did you decide then that you were going to turn these coconuts into a rum business? So it sort of happened organically. And I think that that's the best part about it is, um, where we were going based on what we saw people were liking and what people enjoyed and what made them happy. And, we were selling, uh, we were, you know, uh, doing combos with a lot of spirits brands um, at the hotels that we worked with selling coconuts. And we worked hand in hand with their beverage directors to figure out the best ways to create cocktails inside of the coconuts and, you know, get them, uh, I guess, getting the most bang for their buck for it. So really, you know, adding stuff and doing things with it. It's a great vessel for brands too, right? So they could Every time a coconut came out onto the pool deck, somebody would see it and say, I want one of those. It didn't even have to be on the menu. So the brands were like, yep. So the brands were knocking on our door like, hey, 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 let's collaborate. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so that's when we started unknowingly tiptoeing into the spirits world. Um, But whenever a beverage director asked us what to do with it and if it was our choice, we would just say to put a shot of our favorite rum in it, which is Zacapa rum from Guatemala. This is a rum that we grew up drinking. And this is a super premium rum. This is a rum that traditionally you drink it neat. You drink it, you know, white tablecloth with the cigar. It's more of a fancy, elegant, uh, I guess, positioning. They weren't really selling poolside Mm -hmm. or on the beach. They weren't really, that wasn't their thing. And we were, we were bringing this super premium aged rum that we love so much and putting it poolside, beachside. And the thing that happened was we saw people who previously identified rum as the like crappy white rum that was mixed into some really sugary drink. And that's what they perceived it to be, to trying mm-hmm. something aged and right. really beautiful and good as such of a something like a sacapo. And, and I just say sacapo, but we also did flor de caña. We did like all the Central American rums that we like. And they were like, whoa, this is, this is sick. They were blown away. They're like, I didn't know that this was, uh, this could be rum. Like if you asked me what this was, I wouldn't identify it as rum. And that to us was the opportunity. Yeah. I love yeah, we're that like, story. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Rum's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you knew it, but nobody else did. We right. take a really quick break and then we'll continue the story after we have a quick word from our sponsor. So stay tuned.
All right. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you are just tuning in, I am chatting with Danielle Zig, CEO and co-founder of Coconut Cartel. Um, before the break, Danielle, you were telling us about how you brought these premium rums and you were putting shots of it in, in the coconuts and making it this poolside, beachside experience. But at what point did you then wake up and realize, actually, we should be doing this on our own and creating our own brand? Yep. So... <laughs> It def- I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't, I get this question so often if I can't identify the exact moment. And as I was mentioning, it was sort of like an organic thing um, where we were seeing people who, you know, this is the time also when mezcal is starting to pop off. And this is the time when tequila, when Casamigos just made tequila, took tequila from late night shots to what you're drinking every, you know, daily in your, you know, your cocktails or sipping right so it just totally changed the spirits world started changing right in front of our eyes and like i mentioned do you think part of it was timing it was really it organically happened because you were seeing what was happening within your specific market but then also in the spirits industry as a whole you were seeing that people wanted to move into more of a sipping experience across the board and there was nobody that was doing it really well in your category in rum right absolutely i think also it's a it's a thing of uh resources so liquor, the liquor business is incredibly regulated. We can't, you can't just start it quite easily. You need distributors, you need licenses. Like you could just imagine how difficult it is. So for so many years, you know, the American consumer was beholden to the brands that the big companies would make. There's tons of, you know, stealth brands that sit on shelves that have no story, have no background because they're created in a boardroom. They're not real. Mm -hmm. Now, we have plat. We have, there's so many, um, I guess platforms you could call them that have come about that give craft brands the opportunity to get out there and not and not face that chicken and egg situation where they cannot sell because they don't have a distributor, but the distributor won't take your product in because you have no sales history, right? So how do you get around that? There's always this chicken and egg thing. So that's why we see such an explosion now in craft spirits in the same way that we saw craft beer not long ago, you know, that exploded. You're, you're going to start, if, if not already, seeing so much more activity in craft spirits is because we have that capacity now. You can do it. It's not easy, but you can do it. Yeah. And so now you've built this brand, but I want to focus a little bit on the, um, the creative side of it because one of the things I love, obviously the flavor profile is phenomenal. And when you sent over a bottle, and thank you for that, of course, I instantly fell in love with it. And um, I actually poured a little in my coconut water over ice and sat outside in the sunshine. And I felt like I was on vacation. And right now, that is what we all need, right? (laughs) We need a little like moment of vacation at home. In fact, if you're not doing a marketing campaign like that, I definitely think you should. But (laughs) the piece that I love so much about your online presence is that you have this really unique perspective creatively. Can you talk to us a little bit about where that came from? Definitely. So I always like to say this is that we're not an agency brand. And what I mean by that is my brother handles all of our creative asset create, you know, he, he works with our designers and has his foot on every single thing that we create and we put out there. Nothing is beholden to a brand book or a certain typeface or color scheme. It's all inspired by our surroundings and our upbringing. And it's still very much managed by my brother. And we get our inspiration from various things. 
One is what I mentioned before was like, we grew up in this like place where it was just so, it was just a crazy place. Like growing up in Central America, like for those who don't know what that's like, which is a lot of people, like it's pretty crazy. Like you have the most amazing things and you have the most like awful things. And it just like, our upbringing was so bizarre in so many ways that that comes through in the way very like high low. Yes. Extreme high lows. And that comes through a lot in our brand. And that was actually a big part of when we were building our initial sort of brand book, you know, fancy things in that was that high low part of it. So you get some of that. And then you also get the real Miami nuances. So like Miami Mm -hmm. to the entire world is like what they see on TV is like Miami vice. It's, you know, neon lights. Very deco, bright colors. Bright colors, a neon Mm -hmm. flamingo or something, right? Like it's so typical. Whereas we wanted to put Miami on the map or like put Miami on shelves in a very iconic way, but it's so subtle that like people see it and they're like, that's so Miami in a sense, but they're also like, how can I explain it? It's again, it's just new. It's more reminiscent. It's not bold, like break over your head, you know, kind of in your face. It's really nuanced. And I think that it's a direct reflection of the spirit itself. It's really sophisticated and elegant, even though it has that still very Miami feel. Yeah. I think that's how I would describe it. It's, at least. it's really, it's, you know, we got our inspiration from like our grandmother's house. A lot of times she's oh, been living, she's been living on Miami beach since the early eighties. Um, and so like the pelicans that are on our bottle, those pelicans are like stuccoed on her. She's like a Spanish colonial style Miami house. And so she, you know, we'll, we'll took, we took, we took that element of it and put it in there. And then the color profile that we, you know, grabbed for it is inspired by like sort of the fonts and typefaces of a lot of the motels that are up in, uh, you know, a certain district in Miami. So we didn't go for like the ocean drive vibe at all. We went for like right. the, you know, <laughs> the, where the locals are at. Um, and so it's just really, it just comes from the heart. Truly. We have really no playbook for it. It's all just like, it's very much an embodiment of me and my brother. When we grew up born in Miami, raised in central America, it's like weird. It's crazy. It's like, well, it's, it was a lot of color, lots of colors. Well, it works. Yeah, somehow it works. <laughs> exactly. It definitely Magic works. Magic to it. Um, so let's just focus and talk a little bit about the entrepreneurial journey. Um, at what point did you realize that this was going to be a successful brand? Um, I, I, you know, people, whenever people ask me that, I'm like, any day now. Because um, we always, you know, move the, I call it moving the goalpost. Right, like, you're never satisfied. Goal and then we always, exactly, which was what makes a good entrepreneur. But have there been certain moments over the lifespan of the brand where you were like, wow, this is really good. This is working. This is exciting. This is exactly what we're here to do. Yeah, there definitely have been a few. Um, and at the beginning of this, my, my brother was like the first person. Well, I was, a, I was still in college. I was a senior in college and he calls me and he's like, Danny, I'm going to, I'm going to bring these coconuts up from El Salvador. I'm going to sell them in Miami. And I'm like, that is the stupidest can I, can I curse on this? But like, this is, that is, yeah, this is the stupidest fucking idea I've ever heard. Michael, like, shut up. Don't, don't ever call me again. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and then I tried the coconut, like I can't, and I've, I've had these before. Like, mind you, like I grew up around them, but didn't really like when you're sort of kind of used to stuff, right. You don't really pay attention and you don't know what you have until you don't have it. Right. So I moved from, I was right. at this point of like, I grew up in Guatemala and I went to school in Boston. So there's like, there ain't no coconuts in Boston, but I was drinking a lot of coconut water. Um, I was a big Vita Coco drinker back in the day. Um, but anyway, so at that moment when I, when I tasted the coconut and then we also did sort of our launch event at uh, Miami swim week, 
people just fell in love with it. Like that was the first moment that like when you have just a bunch of like, I'll give you another example. And this happened at that point too. We had a booth at a food festival. Our food, our, the line to get a sample of our coconuts versus everybody else in the show was so, it was so long that it was blocking the entire aisle that they had to like shut our booth down. So there were moments like that where like, people are loving these coconuts. It's absolutely crazy. Um, there's something there. The other moment where I thought, okay, something's happening on a more of a brand side was we were having MBA students from, I had somebody out in, I think, uh, Oregon. And then I had somebody in Spain in one of the schools out in Barcelona reach out to me because they were writing their thesis on how we built a brand on a coconut. And I thought that Mm. that was really powerful. I was like, okay, like people remember my name. They remember the name Coconut Cartel. Like they, it's like Nike, like it just clicks. Like people don't forget that name. And that's really sticky. That's really powerful. So there's been a number of those types of, you know, situations where we're like, people come through Miami and if they try my product and they see the name, they will remember it three, four years later. And that doesn't happen very often. It really doesn't. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the entrepreneurial journey and some kind of best practices for anyone listening in who is thinking about getting into a similar business. So stay tuned. All right. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. And if you're just tuning in, I am chatting with Danielle Zig, CEO and co-founder of Coconut Cartel. I love your story so much. I love the brand so much. I'm like just an instant fan. (laughs) Um, And there are so many uh, people out there who are trying to create brands in similar spaces. So what are some of your best practices as it relates to building a brand? Is it just go for it? Do you have like a a, a process um, or any entrepreneurial best practices that you could share with our audience? Oh man, there's so many, <laughs> so many. <laughs> um, um, I'll start with something that I'm just so excited about. And it's, um, it's an easy, it's people take it for granted, but e-commerce guys, e-commerce. Hmm. Okay. Having a direct connection to a customer, even if it's one or two, when you're just starting out is so powerful you need to, you need to talk to your customer. You need to know what they want and what they care about because then you can be so much smarter about the way that you market to them. The traditional way of marketing is like you're shooting from the hip. You sit in a boardroom and you're like, "What is our target demographic and what is their persona?" And you go through all of these exercises like you do in if you went to business school or not, or, you know, whatever. But in reality, you're shooting from the hip when you do that. But if you go, well, it's a hypothesis, right? right. And then you've got to test it in the real world and decide is that really true? Correct. And you test it and it takes a long, longer, but a long time to get that like data back, right? Like you can run like billboard ads. Like, how do you know they're working? Well, because the stores are, you know, pulling product, but that's, that's the old school way of doing it. If you go e-commerce, totally. you can sell something and immediately you get that data point. Or somebody clicks, likes your ad, you're running Facebook, Instagram ad, somebody clicks your ad, you immediately got that data point. And all of this collectively becomes so powerful that if you're thinking of doing any type of entrepreneurial venture, and especially now with what we just saw with the pandemic, you need to have a major e-commerce component, no matter what it is. And for us to put things in perspective, 
liquor didn't do basically pretty much anything online prior to the pandemic. It's so regulated and impossible. It's so to do old it. school. It's the oldest, oldest game in the book. And it still runs like that. And we made it, you know, the, the industry has made it happen and a lot of people are switching to it and it's game changing. So for really anything that you're doing, I would say focus on e-commerce. And then also I would say that don't cheap out on legal advice at the beginning. I know I did it mm-hmm. and you don't really have too much money at the beginning when you're starting these things, but it's so important to set, to, to set a really solid foundation when you're starting a business. Um, could not agree more. I don't know if you know, I don't know if we talked about this, but I'm actually a reformed lawyer. So I have that background and it's one of the first, we didn't talk about that, did we? No, we did not. I did not know that. (laughs) Funny. Yeah. That was my, my last uh, life iteration. And so I could not agree more on both those points. One is that you got to get your legal shit together because you're going to end up spending way more on the long run, fixing a trademark or a logo that someone else owned that you didn't realize you couldn't own or Mm -hmm. getting your contracts in order. So, so important. And then to your other point earlier, the data, like, you know, that our day-to-day is a marketing agency. And so we are very data-driven. It's a very data-driven conversation. And to your point, especially with the e-commerce integrations that we currently have, data is available at the touch of your, at your fingertips. So use it, use it, use it. I could not agree more with those book two points. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, man, it's a, I love e-commerce. I wish I wanted to do more. Like, what, <laughs> Clearly. Else? Like, what else can I sell online? You know, it's, uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> and so it's been really good for your business. You've seen an uptick in sales since pandemic. Unbelievable growth. Like truly, like even today we're having conversations with um, like our sales team about like our traditional sales path, which is, you know, boots on the ground, selling door to door kind of thing in the bars and restaurants. Totally. And uh, we just... It's just so much faster. It's like from one click, you know, you can educate people. You can, oh my God, you can, I I can talk to people like directly on our Facebook. And it's just been, it's like a snowball effect. Like there's something going on with the brand that's somewhat like -like, (laughs) cult-like or it's creating Mm -hmm. a community. And that's what people talk about when you hear people talk about e-commerce and say, build a community, right? Like build your base. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's building really fast for us now versus before, like, yeah, we were selling cases and that's the only metric you really see. You see cases on your re- sales reports, but I don't know who that went to. I don't know what what's going on with it or what they're saying about it. I don't know if that person reordered, right? Like, do I know if anybody's reordering my stuff or re- rebuying it? No idea. Um, right. So now now we have all that all that stuff going on and it's just crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, I think the timing of it is all really interesting because, like you said, it's been typically and historically such an antiquated market. E-commerce was not a huge piece for the for the booze industry, mm-hmm. um, and you know, not to mention that we're all turning into raging alcoholics during, <laughs> right, during right, the right. pandemic, <laughs> myself included. I think we did. We looked at our uh, what we've been spending money on, and I think our our biggest line item was alcohol. So <laughs> thank you for your service. <laughs> doing it for the kids just do it for the kids yeah, you know you gotta somehow. um so tell us what's next for the brand i know you've got some really fun corporate gifting stuff coming up for the holidays talk to us a little bit about that yeah so on the e-commerce thing um you know we now have the ability to ship nationwide and we're having fun with it so we're gonna do um for the holiday season we're gonna have some cool corporate gifting opportunities so co- companies that want to send stuff out directly to people's homes we'll ship it to their homes and we're gonna do uh, these little uh, old fashioned kits, because that's the thing, right? People don't really think that you can do old fashions with rum, but uh, with our rum, and a good no idea. Oh, yeah. Best old fashioned. Honestly, seriously, Laurel, 
oh my God. Like it's the smoothest, easiest old fashioned you'll ever have. Like if you have like a traditional sort of like whiskey bourbon old fashioned, it's like puts hair on your chest. Like it's pretty hardcore. Right. This is like... <laughs> So it's like iced tea. It's like you drink it during the day, drink it at night. It's like the easiest thing people – I freak out about it. I love it. My husband drinks it all the time. It's his favorite drink. He's had more coconut cartel than anyone in the world though. But um, So we're going to be doing these uh, – <laughs> we're going to be doing these cool packets where if you wanted to send out a gift to uh, – you know, through your company or just to a friend, um, we're going to send those out. And they come packaged really beautifully. And again, e-commerce is such a weird thing for alcohol and people are worried about the bottles breaking or what's going to happen. But we have it all covered and it's uh, – it's, it's, it's a really nice, a really nice gift. And besides that of what's going on, man, we're just going to keep slaying in the online stuff and keep building our community. So if you're listening out there and you have an interest in rum, like follow us on Instagram or coconut at coconut cartel, follow us on Facebook. We have, we're, we're really fun. Like we're, it's, it's my brother and I, our marketing director, it's like, it's so homey. We're, we're going to answer you. If you hit us up, we're going to answer you. Like you're not talking to a black hole. Um, we, and we would love to hear from you. So that's pretty much. Uh, I think that's really how you built such a great brand is that you are so personalized in your approach. You really pay attention to your consumers. You have a very authentic voice, although I think the word authentic is well overused at this point. But yeah. uh, if I didn't hate that word, I would use it with you guys because you can see it in every single aspect of the brand from the logo to the packaging to the bottle design to your social channels. I mean, the 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 through line is so clear that it's family driven. It's so organic and authentic to, to who you two are as founders. And I think it really shines through in the brand. Thank you so much. And the juice isn't bad too, huh? <laughs> no, not, not too bad. Not too bad. Can't complain. I wish I could, I have one next to me right now. I should have poured some in my uh, coconut water for the conversation <laughs> to inspire me. I think it's a little early um, on the West coast, right though, <laughs> for that. But, but after I, last I sense night, some judgment in that, I sense some judgment in that, Danielle. I'm just going to say, it, it was, it's all uh, after last night's uh, show, Ugh, uh, yeah. it's acceptable. But I usually like to say 12, 12 o'clock is my, is my suggested start time. Pace yourself. Got it. I will take that under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. I love the product you guys have created. I love that you're a female founder in this category and that your message is just so clear and fun. And please, guys, if you're tuning in, make sure that you uh, follow them on the social channels, buy something online from them. The product just really does speak for itself. And we're still in the hot days of summer right now, even though technically we're in fall, it's still, it's going to be a hundred degrees today. So it's time for a coconut cartel cocktail as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We do, we do, we do, uh, we're doing Negronis and old fashions through the winter or a coquito if you like coquito, but, uh, rum can be consumed during the, the winter time too, Laurel. I love it. It warms you from the inside <laughs> out as do you, Danielle. Thank you so, Thank so you. much for being on the show today. You're awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks, guys, for tuning in. Stay tuned for more Elevate Your Brand coming up next.